And now, from the dry hills of Santa Clarita, California, it's time for America's least listened to podcast. It's Christianese with your blessing-filled hosts, Jared Burkholder, Dan Satchoff, and Brian Irwin. And, of course, the sound of the Hammond B3 organ is barb. Barb, wonderful work there. Did you hear, though, that she's about to upgrade to the B5? I heard that, but I can't confirm Here's the that. Thing, though. Yes, the the Japanese have started making it, and mm-hmm. they've added kind of into the seat one of those mm-hmm. modulated toilets mm. um, with the heated seat. So wow! So it's a toilet we're slash do a organ campaign. I think we're gonna have to sell one of the church jets that we talked about last week in order sure. to pay Grace for this one? organ. Grace uh, one this or be Grace three. Grace three. Okay. I'm gonna sell Grace one, Dan. Stand by. <laughs> Grace gonna, one has landed. Not gonna do that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't go to seminary to fly commercial. <laughs> you went to seminary? I did. Interesting. Yeah, I did. Wouldn't know it to hear you preach. <laughs> <sighs> we're gonna go off air for a few moments and we'll yes, be right we're gonna beat each other to a pole. Jared Burkle, how are you? You know, we're 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 so. Pleased today to be joined by a guest. Would you introduce our guest? I would love to introduce today's guest because our guest is a good friend of mine and a guy that I got to work with for four years, mm-hmm. Dan Broyles. Dan, I was going to memorize your bio and then I didn't. So <sighs> I'm going to I'm going to fudge it and maybe make some stuff up. But uh, Dan, you worked in social work for the, the County of Los Angeles, Department of Children and Family Services for 10 years? Yep, about 10 years, yep. You are a licensed family therapist? Yep. You are... You have your master's in social work. In marriage family therapy. In marriage and family therapy. Wow, he's got credentials. What's he doing here? We're not done yet. Okay. This is the tip of the iceberg. All right. Uh, You started then working at uh, Grace Baptist Church and were there for 15 years? Approximately, yep. Approximately 15 years. Uh, Really kind of took a department that you were handed but made it a lot better. One of the things I love about you is um, you have such a heart for the community. You have such a heart for the orphan. You have a heart for people who are hurting uh, you have a really balanced approach to counseling and care where you really value the gospel, but but you're also informed by social sciences. Um, and that's kind of what we want to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, this, or is this too early? No, that and facial hair, I think, because you both have sweet beards, which I do not. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I think grooming, too, yeah, is something. I don't want to. I mean, Dan's is, is carefully groomed. It's true. Yours is haphazard Mine, at best. I, I put, um, I put the, the fake hair, the, the can hair. Yeah, the spray on. The day, yeah. To, uh, Maximize yeah. it. Yeah. It's all right. I have a lot more gray. Yeah. <laughs> well, you use a touch of gray, but it yeah. looks good. It's very, it's very, very it's mature natural. and very. I thought about nice. dyeing mine a little grayer. So yeah. I get the, uh, it would look someday when you hit puberty, it's going to naturally happen. You think it'll happen? Yeah, it will. It I will. one day I hope to not get the. What do you ever want to be a real pastor? <laughs> you know, that would be great. They're like, what are you going to do when you really? Get yes. Oh man! When I stop playing at this pastor thing, I'll let you. Know. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great to have you here, man. And I think uh, I think there are so many misnomers about uh, about principles of therapy and and uh, psychology and and things like that, and then and then faith, right? Well, Dan, it should come as no surprise to you that people in the church love to fight about stuff, hmm. and one yeah, of the most not hotly divisive things right now <laughs> isn't just whether you're a Calvinist 
or an Arminian. Right. So that we can talk about that okay, later. Okay, good. Let's do it. Point. When we want to put people to sleep, let's talk about that. Right. Perfect. And Armenia is a great country. You know yeah, it's I mean? a great the country. Armenians are great people. Really good people. Um, or not just you know whether or not you speak in tongues or something like that, but really the place of the gospel in Christian biblical counseling. Yeah. We don't have time, nor do we have any interest in unpacking that world because it can be very sordid. Mm-hmm. And people have gone mm-hmm. missing unexpectedly because <laughs> they took the wrong side on that issue. That's actually the premise of the new Rambo movie, is people go missing because of that and he has to go save them. He's an integrationist. We're going to kill him. <laughs> um, but one of the things I've appreciated about Dan, and actually that Dan has been incredibly helpful to me personally, is just recognizing how emotionally stupid I am and how relationally backward I can be. I mean, yeah. this is, he came to me one day and said, you're emotionally stupid and relationally backward. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true at all. Um, but just help me see... Uh, that my training in the gospel is the foundation of what we do in counseling, but there's other things that can be really helpful in approaching and understanding people. Yeah. So, Dan, just kind of from your background, you've been in in social work, you've been in the church. Um, what are some ways maybe that Christians, that elders, that pastors, maybe don't recognize the importance of of just recognizing Certainly the social sciences, but maybe that's too broad a topic. Let's just talk about like a, a emotional health and relational health. What are some ways we've kind of neglected actually understanding the importance of that? Yeah, I would say to start, in churches sometimes we have this idea that we're only spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. When really we're emotional beings, physical beings, and that really actually God designed all of that. And we actually can think that if we so-called make the spiritual stuff all better, then everything else should just kind of work out. Mm. Or if we have just um, greater knowledge of God and the Bible, all those other areas will will work out. But really, God designed the spiritual to affect all those areas, not just be one area of life. Mm. I've been listening to uh, a secular podcast by a guy um, who's really into, into therapy. He's not a believer. Mm-hmm. It's just been really interesting to hear him articulate mm-hmm. his own understanding of why he does some of the things that he mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. And again, we would admit that there is a uh, a sin root to our behavior that Absolutely. is sinful, right? Yep. Um, and, and that sometimes we react to the sin of other people. Right. But it just got me thinking about, why do I do that? You know, right. for instance, this is going to get... I'm laying down on a couch now because it's going to get weird. Okay, therapy. good. Actually, the reason I'm doing this is to get free therapy. Good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cheaper this way. It's yeah, so much, much cheaper. Much cheaper. Yeah. This is like getting a colonoscopy on the Today Show kind of thing. Wow. Okay. Next episode is holy colonoscopies. That, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just recognizing, you know, I struggle a lot with fear of man about what right. people think of me, which is, is common to a lot of pastors. But even just thinking back to the ways that um, my moving from church to church with mm-hmm. my family mm-hmm. and being thrust into a lot of different environments, right. I began to find kind of my security and identity mm-hmm. in people, mm-hmm. which meant that what they thought of me mattered a lot. Right. I don't know. I'd never really thought about that until recently. And there's a, a strong sense in which fear of man can be a really sinful impulse sure. where mm-hmm. I would find more of my identity in people than yeah. in what I have in Christ. But I think just recognizing, you know, the reason that I'm kind of pushed down that particular path is in part because of my background. So yeah. how, how, how do we neglect background, or how would you help somebody understand um, the importance of their background? Not as an excuse for sinful behavior, but how would you kind of bring those two ideas together? Well, the, this whole idea of helping people connect the dots mm-hmm. as to why I do things, and maybe what, what parts of my life am I more vulnerable to doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of something therapeutic, one of the benefits of a therapy process that goes well is being really known. 
mm-hmm. and we all have blind spots yeah. uh, in our life. And so part of it is, um, you know, the Bible talks about our heart that's, that's wicked and, and we don't even know why we do stuff certain sure. times, but to go, oh, that's a motive there that's probably not really good, but I didn't even connect the dot to why I do that or what's some of the areas of fear in my life instead of just talking about my reaction and my anger. So part of it is helping people connect the dots um, because our, our history radically influences our perceptions. Yeah. Uh, so to have, I think it's so important because like you've said, there, there, this is a divisive thing within the church sure. a lot of times. And, and to say, to admit that, hey, I need help from somebody else because we can't, no matter how much, you know, we, of course, we're going to study God's word and we're going to, that's going to inform uh, how we respond to things. But we need somebody else sometimes with a, an objective viewpoint who does. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a therapeutic background right. and, and, and blending that with right. gospel principles, right? Well, Proverbs actually talks about getting counseling. Hmm. It says, wise person seeks counsel. Oh, sure. As many counselors. Right. Yes. So, because, and the, the, Challenge is there's people have had maybe bad experience with a counselor, yeah, or they heard one counselor um, on some podcast or on a blog that mm-hmm. sounded really crazy, mm-hmm. and so they just lumped it all together, right. right? When really Proverbs talks about the benefit of of getting counsel sure. from those that that are wise, but we have this idea that really mature people don't need counseling. Oh yeah, in the Christian church. Mm. Like the more mature you are, the less you need to get help. Getting help is for the kind of the the really weak. The Christian. weak, and I think as guys too. I Especially mean, that, as guys. that resonates yeah. with me yeah. because when I went through spiritual care, when you were were running it, um, it was a it it almost felt like an admission of failure when I right. when I had to go in there and it got to a point because it was dealing with my mom and mm-hmm. she had mm-hmm. issues was coming to live with us and I was trying to balance that and home and relationship with my wife and my and my mom and it was. If I hadn't had somebody though as an outside right. eye, also who was rooted in right. you know biblical principles, right. but it right. was super helpful. Right. Well, we have this idea that uh, we're almost weak if we have to do that. That's mm-hmm. almost like a last resort. Instead of I actually think it's a sign of maturity. Yeah. Um, actually, a sign of courage um, to live out the proverbs of yeah. seek counsel um, yeah. from others. And so, uh, you know, most people wait till like life's almost or is in a crisis to ask for help. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right, right, right. I think that's just kind of human nature. Yeah. But I think really maturity in the Lord means there are people that can speak into my life that I actually need if I'm going to grow. Mm. Versus I think kind of the in American independent way is. Sure. I just kind of do my own, read my Bible, go to my church. Pull myself up by my bootstraps. And I got this. And actually that's just not even biblical. Sure. Sure. Well, and also as somebody who, who has training like right. you do, plus you know, you know the word, and right. and you've probably seen things a million times because of the repetition. There's probably a lot of similar things that you see, so you're able to put a practical application exactly. to that, right? So yeah, I mean that just happened. I had a conversation with a woman recently, and within literally about sixty seconds in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure she has trauma. Mm. And she was talking about just parenting. Wow. Um, and you could see that because you've done this enough. Yeah. And what happens when someone, for instance, lives with trauma, they they don't even know how to be present in their relationships. Yes. 
Yes. They are just in survival mode and yeah. they don't even know how to connect then. So then they push people away because they don't even know how to connect. Wow. But they don't even know that. Again, that's connecting the dots and that's not making excuses for her. But over time, you see those type of situations and she doesn't even connect the dots between her trauma and her past and how it affects her parenting. Right. Because she doesn't even know how to literally sit with her child and go, let's play. Wow. So let's take an instance like that. Sure. Uh, in identifying trauma, yep. what's the solution? Right. So how do you move past identifying, oh, wow, that, yeah. that happened to me in my past. Yeah. I carry the, the, the scars of that now. That impacts yep. the way I do parenting. From a therapeutic standpoint, yep. and from a gospel perspective, how would yeah. you address that? So this is where I think studying some of the social sciences is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And there's some really wonderful research on trauma. And the people who recover best from trauma Mm-hmm. Um, have really healthy relationships that they can engage in. Mm. And those who even do better actually can even start to talk about their story with really safe people. Mm. So, for instance, a lot of our men and women who have seen awful trauma are uh, our veterans. Um, the, the veterans that come back that never talk about their trauma do the worst. They have more suicides, more alcoholism, all those things. Those who come back and have a that really loving spouse or that friend, pastor, counselor that they can say, can I tell you how I'm doing or what's going on with me? Those are the ones that really, really heal. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. what happens actually, and they've actually studied this in the brain, for instance, is the brain um, goes off when it thinks about trauma. So it's, it's like this extra charge. But eventually, the brain starts to associate the safety of the conversation with the event. Mm-hmm. So they can start to remember it's like it. rewiring almost. Right. right. And so there is a, there's a woman named Caroline Leaf who actually has um, done a lot of brain scans on forming new patterns of the brain. They show before treatment and after treatment for trauma hmm. of literally like new roads that were built in the brain wow. on how they cope with trauma. So... Part of that is if people really live out the gospel mm-hmm. of the one another's, yeah, they're going to approach that veteran in that way and love on them sure. and show compassion to them. And then, then ultimately, a lot of people have trauma, have shame. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the gospel is so essential because right. to live in grace versus live in shame is like night and day. Now, as I hear you talk, is it how often do you ever have somebody come to you um, does this ever become a gateway to the gospel for somebody? Like, do you have somebody s- secularly come into you and Absolutely. say, look, I need to get therapy, and because you're rooted in a gospel-centered approach... Right, right. So even conversations of um, where do you have purpose? What gives you hope? Yeah. So just having those conversations of where's hope for you? Yeah. And they might say, so... Maybe my, my hope is in my, my kids. I'm like, well, what happens if your kids move out of the state? Right, right, right. Um, so, and I'll ask people, I wonder if there's hope out there that you haven't considered. Interesting. And it just opens up these doors for me to say, do you mind if I share a little bit about hope um, that's kind of outside of your box? And especially if they are in the midst of some kind of a trauma or yeah. something that's driven them to want to or mm-hmm. have to get help at that point. Sure. Like Brian, who usually joins us in here, a mm-hmm. friend of ours who's agnostic, and that's been one of the conversations with him, is that 
there hasn't been anything really that's driven him to seek a greater hope. Like, mm-hmm. and and not I don't know that there. I mean, there has been trauma. He's he's experienced some death and some suicides recently and things, but it hasn't been enough. But if somebody like Brian were ever to come seeking help like that, where he was in a place where then offering that additional hope that right. he may not have considered. So, or sometimes I'll I'll say the following. I'll say. Um, are you open to talking about how I think God loves every aspect of you and cares about every aspect of your trauma? Hmm. Are you wow. open to talking about that? Hmm. Wow. How often How often does somebody say and yeah? Almost every time they say sure. Really? Right, because it's in a loving way. It's an invitation. Right. It's not an invitation versus an assumption. Gotcha. Versus if I go, well, you know, if you, if you're really going to change, you need God. Yeah. That's going to come across harsh right. and not an invitation right. um, versus if it's, if it's done by invitation. Like one of the questions I love asking people that are not church, they're not Christians, is tell me your top one or two positive and your top one or two negative spiritual experiences. Wow. It is amazing. People have stories out there, but they don't know where to process it. Yeah. Um, and they don't know how, even how to articulate it because... In our world, where do you even have those conversations? Because what we're told in our society is, if you want to have good relationships with people, don't talk about your politics and your faith. Right, right, right. right, right anything right. deep, really. Right, especially yeah. uh, you know family gatherings. Don't yeah. go there, Which and then we'll be good. getting increasingly more difficult all the time to avoid those topics exactly. right. right now. Is there something going on? Uh, no, never here? mind. Uh, I'll, we'll get caught up later. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. Have you been living in a cave for a Ross while? Perot all the way. I tell you what, Come right on. now. Here's the thing. That guy's a billionaire. And listen, if we can get billionaires outside of politics into public office, I think it's going to go great. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Communist. Um, Hi. I w- so can I jump back into yes. the theme? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually think one of the, the challenges we have in our culture is we have this idea that we have to agree to connect. Mm, right. Right. Um, I mean, all of us probably have known people who didn't even talk to certain people they know, depending on who you voted for in the last oh, sure, sure. election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people have these thoughts, but they don't know where to go with the thoughts. I haven't talked to Dan outside of this room in two years. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Makes it tough to do the podcast. He wears a sack while we do it, though, so I don't have to look him in the eyes. Um, yeah, that's that is that's that's a fascinating way to to look at that. What would you, what would you say to people who? Are in church and they're really afraid of, but they know they need some some sure. kind of outside help. So I I would ask them: Are they making a decision out of fear? Mm. Okay, fear of being judged, fear of gossip, fear of being uh, appearing weak. Gotcha. Uh, I've never talked to somebody and they kind of reflected back on their year, saying, "I made a couple of decisions out of fear, and I'm really glad I did." Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, I just have never heard that. Yeah, um, right. I've heard tons of stories that I took the step, whatever it was, to see a marriage counselor to work on my marriage or to yeah. go get help for my substance abuse problem. Right, and I'm so glad I did because it was ruining yeah. my family. I've been thinking a lot about how fear and insecurity drive our behavior. Oh, it's and all over. So the thinking place. about that, like as uh, as a husband, as sure. a dad, as a pastor. Sure. Um, you know, I think sometimes church cultures are created yep. because out of, out of fear and insecurity. Yeah. And that's true in other jobs. That's true in Absolutely. other relationship dynamics. On the other end of that, what would you say are some markers of of relational and emotional health? So rather than being ruled by yep. fear and insecurity, mm-hmm. what, what are some ways 
not only to get to emotional relational health, but what are some markers of someone who is emotionally and relationally healthy? Uh, I would say, as as a believer, is that we actually uh, go to God with our emotions and our prayers. Hmm. So I heard, heard someone else said this. They said, "Every emotion I feel is a chance to connect with my heavenly Father." Wow. So in some, I think, church circles, emotions is something to be squashed. Yeah, right, right. While I so-called do the right thing and be obedient to Jesus. When really, Jesus was pretty emotional at times. Right, 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 right. And so I think we equate thoughts way over emotions. Yeah. When really, we can honor Christ with our thoughts and honor Christ with our emotions, and we can sin in our thoughts, and we can sin in our emotions. So... Part of, I would say, emotional maturity is actually knowing how I'm doing emotionally. Right, right, right. Um, and then sharing that with one or two people in my life. So, for instance, if I can't share with my best friend or my spouse how I'm doing emotionally, yeah. it will limit the relationship. Yeah. There will be less connection, less openness, less transparency. Hmm. Yeah, because you're almost like a, a Christian Vulcan at that yeah. point where you, you're, you can't show any emotion. Uh-huh. And it, it, I can imagine it would it would completely shut you right. down. I've even talked to some guys who I would say they would be described as stoic. Sure. And I said, for you to be more Christ-like, you have to be more emotional. Wow. But we see stoicism as a virtue. Exactly. Right, 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 right. You can, right. nothing affects you, nothing bothers you, right. which I mean, isn't just, true for anyone. Just think of grief. Oh, yeah. Just think of it in John 11. Yeah. It doesn't say, and Jesus was stoic. Yeah, no, he right. wept, right? Or he was strong. Yeah, yeah. We right. Those phrases. So it doesn't even say Jesus had, you know, um, wet eyes. Yeah, or, right. Or the right. one tear. Actually, yeah. he wept. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if we're going to be Christ-like, that actually includes being emotional at times. Yes. Now, not to the point that it drives our decisions. No. Um, but I think we're afraid of that. I think you're exactly right. Like, stoic is mature and emotional is immature if i said to somebody why are you really emotional that's an insult right Mm -hmm. but if i told them they're stoic it's like oh thank you yes i'm strong and i am well and culturally right now i think it's that's borne out like there's a huge movement up in the the tech community up Mm -hmm. north where stoicism is actively being embraced by a lot of ceos of those companies i was just reading about that and Mm -hmm. so even in culture now that's 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 the paradigm so but being stoic will lead to loneliness right 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 yeah Wow. No, and isolation. No, I mean, just absolutely. relational, emotional isolation. Right. I like I like what you said too about emotionally. Like God can handle a, a, a myriad of emotions because I was just reading the Psalms the other day, and David brings things to God where he's angry. Time. Where are you? And I think we get to thinking as Christians, oh, but I can't, I can't approach the Father that way. But I think God is big enough to handle as long as you said like we're we're going right. to Him. So we actually treat when we're not emotional in our prayers, we actually are saying to God. Uh, I'm going to keep you at arm's length and keep you at distance. Mm, wow. Um, that's what we're saying with our, the way we pray. Yeah. Versus David, would, who you know was the only one that said it was a man after my own heart. Yeah, right. Was right. actually very emotional in his prayers. Yes. And very, I think, transparent of where he was really present in his prayers. I think yes. we do that with God in a lot of ways, right? Because right. there's a lot of things yes. that we think that God doesn't care about. Right. And actually, the things that we think that God does care about yep. is really narrow. Yep. So there's most of our life we wall off from God. Yeah. Right. So one of the questions I ask in counseling sometimes, I'll say, do you believe God cares about every emotion you feel? Hmm. And a lot of people say, uh, no, it's probably insignificant. You know, there's a lot of bigger things out there in the world. Wow. Um, but, 
you know, Psalms 56, 8 says he collects our tears in a bottle. Wow. That's really intimate. Yeah, it is. To think he cares that much um, about who we are emotionally. Right. So there's a lot of, we've acknowledged, a lot of debate about how social sciences uh, correlate to the gospel, whether sure. there's any, any role for that. Sure. I think we could recognize... Um, that there's problems on both ends, right? Absolutely. There are people who totally punt in the gospel yep. Yep. and really think about mental issues solely as a biological thing, right. not as a spiritual issue. Yep. There mm-hmm. are those who see no value in anything outside of you know just talking about sin, righteousness. Right. Got to give us some principles or talk through... How, I don't want to use the term integration because that, that, that's a term that's a... It's a trigger for some people, Dan. We don't right, want to right. trigger anybody. We'll <laughs> um, be counseling. But how would you bring together... Uh, Right. How would you bring together the best of the social sciences, yep. but in a way that never compromises the gospel? Yeah. Well, I think we confuse the truth of the gospel with the process of uh, sanctification. So the Bible is really clear that it is um, God's word and is true, and it's authoritative on all the things it, it addresses. However, I would say the Bible is not the only thing God uses to sanctify us. Mm-hmm. He actually uses our pain. He uses the hard things in life. He uses people, hopefully, to speak into our life. Sure. And so, um, in, in regards to kind of the one end of the pendulum, is um, we're, we're just gospel focused, but we don't even look at the social scientists. There's actually a lot of fear to look at that. And it's actually easier just to dismiss a whole like, area of study mm-hmm. than to go, how do I in, like, think through this? Because I actually don't think the Bible claims to be the authority on every topic it talks about. Mm-hmm. The Bible doesn't say I'm the authority on how to teach statistics. Mm. Right? right? Right. But because the, there's a lot of fear of uh, being taken over the, by the world, we kind of don't connect with the world and just look at the Bible and don't look at the social sciences. Sure. Because it's, it's harder to be in the middle and be gray. Right. It's just harder. Yeah. Um, and then on the other hand, I think... Um, this idea of psychology is this idea that a lot of people in, in that kind of world actually don't really even admit we have a spiritual um, aspect to us. Mm-hmm. And there are so many ramifications, in my opinion, that should come out of the fact that we're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which means we are not our own authority. Yes. We're a created beings, so we don't get to determine all the all of our shots. Yeah. But all of us like to feel in control and call our own shots. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think at the risk of being reductionistic, um, the trauma people experience, the discord people experience relationally um, stems from sin, right? It stems either from my sin mm-hmm. that I'm actively perpetuating or somebody or, else's sin towards me. Right. Or just a sin culture like the concept of Right. The war. brokenness of the world, right? Right. The brokenness. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you think about that, how is it that the gospel then is the foundation of how you minister Hope to because I, I think and this is you can disagree with me on this. I know you love conflict, so we can do this here. Great. Um, <laughs> but my pushback to integrationism mm-hmm. has been at least the the caricatures maybe I've read about. I'll admit that <laughs> um, has been seeking to find a solution in psychology when the solution is the gospel, right? But I think psychology can be really helpful in helping people understand why they do things certain ways, mm-hmm. why they hold on to certain habits. Yeah. But, right. but the, that always has to lead us then to to a gospel solution. How would you interact with that? So yeah, I'll just I'll answer it um, as I talk about trauma again. So um, 
the social sciences talking about trauma will give me tools to think about how much do I talk about their past or not. But at the end of the, the day, um, they're going to do best when they're living out God's design because he created them. Mm-hmm. And so one way to do that is to live in community. He designed that. Another way to do that is, um, and I've had people do this, is can they forgive the person who caused them the trauma? Interesting. For, for true healing to happen, there needs to be supernatural um, intervention to help with that. Because sure. to forgive someone who caused you trauma is never natural. Right. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I really think that the gospel needs to be the fuel to, even, to the growth in the midst of these helpful tools. Um, because uh, to forgive someone like that, or um, I'm going to actually um, believe that God loves me the same, even though I shot three people when I was in Iraq. Mm. Interesting. That's just never going to happen normally. That needs the Holy Spirit to intervene directly because mm-hmm. it, it really, in some ways, is impossible um, to have that full healing for them to live out the way God made them. Interesting. Do you are there any methodologies within the within the world of of um, therapy that you would not use like for instance Jungian or Freudian kind of like things or, or sure. is there, are there pieces you can use of of any of that sure so I, I, I like to, I've in the past liked to tease some Christian friends of mine because <laughs> um, I do like conflict and I'll say <laughs> and I would just have fun what do you think uh, it says about your heart Dan that you just love conflict yeah, yeah I need some have we ever dug that. into that with a shovel ever <laughs> <laughs> huh? unpacked that there you go Dr. Burkholder why don't you lay down on the couch, Dan, and let me take the counselor's so, chair for a okay. moment? Okay. I've said, you know, I uh, there's certain parts of Freud I really agree with. Mm-hmm. Sure. And and I'd say he actually thought we were naturally not good, basically. Right. Sinful. Right. Right. True. True. And he would say that. Right. And I'm like, okay, I agree with that. But then he would say some other sexual stuff that I think is so. Really yeah. So you could take really is way off and gross. No. And just out of control. So that that's interesting. Consider. And so, gross. Right. So you can take elements of some of those things and not throw the baby out with the bathwater right. per se. Right. Well, it's, it's kind of like education. Yeah. Right. Um, and teaching styles and mm-hmm. um, anything else we try to study, I want to have more of a, a, yeah. a mindset of wisdom yes. than assume it's all bad and then not have to think through it. Right. Well, and this is a wider conversation in Christianity. Is it possible to interact with an author, an idea, yeah. a book, and not agree with things that are in there? I come from a Absolutely. world where right. you only promote books wherein you agree with everything that's in there. Right. And honestly, <laughs> if you read a book and agree with everything in there, you should have written it or it should be the Bible. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. You should be able to find some demarcation. Right. And I really think I can learn from non-Christians because they're made in the image of God. Yeah. Do you right. think so? Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know, Jared. Socialists, maybe not. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Communists. Communists. So, yeah, because the reason I asked that, my mom was a clinical psychologist. And so growing up, I was exposed to a lot of that kind of stuff. And my mom always identified as a Christian, but Mm -hmm. she didn't understand her faith, as neither did I. As I got older and finally before Mm -hmm. she passed, we were able to have clarity, and I'm I'm sure she understood Mm -hmm. the gospel. But I do think that that was a little bit of a battle for me sometimes because I grew up watching my mom help people and being able to help me just through actually talking things through, not necessarily with... But she was trained in Freudian you know, Mm -hmm. uh, techniques and things like that. And so that I've I've had the same idea because I will read... 
you know, I just read, read that book about C.S. Lewis and Freud kind of juxtaposing their views on things. And there was some stuff that where Freud went right. to crazy town, but there were right. some elements where there's a pragmatic yep. um, helpfulness to it. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. For instance, there's some types of therapies that really promote complete acceptance. Right. Right? Right. Now, um, I don't think, for instance, the body of Christ has done a really good job conveying how do we um, help people feel accepted, not on their merit, but because they're made in the image of God. Right, right, right. Now, but again, a lot of times when people even read you that You think God stuff, loves us if we don't perform, Dan? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's in the Bible. Whatever. So this idea that um, when we read stuff, though, part of it is also how we even define those terms. Yeah. What does acceptance mean, for instance, in that type of... Yeah, in that context, yeah. Right? I might accept and disagree, but a lot of times people in today's world think acceptance equals agreement. Mm. Right. So so even when we read stuff online, we have to really think through, are we on the same page about uh, even how we define some of these words? Right. Because right. I've been to different conferences, both I'd say more in the conservative Christian camp to secular that has no opinion or no view or desire to look at the scriptures. And a lot of it is defining the words. That makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I think, too, as I listen to this guy on this secular podcast, just kind of of a spectrum of helpfulness. So there's a real sense in which some of the social sciences bring coping mechanisms yes. and ways to become more informed that are definitely, they definitely be really helpful. Yep. But there's a difference between having people have a coping strategy and learn how to manage trauma in their life, something right, right. like that, and actually have the healing of the gospel. Right. So how, how do you lead people past that? Or what's your view on... Wanting to get people past just coping with something, yeah. actually having the gospel address so, it. So I think part of the gospel is it gives ultimate purpose. So I've talked to numerous people about healing from trauma, and their purpose of healing is not just for themselves. I'm going to look at something real quick here, Dan. Did go off? There it goes. So I really think of Genesis 50-20 when it's, uh, when it's talking about Joseph and his brothers. What they meant for evil, God to use for good. Mm-hmm. And so the the gospel gives purpose that's eternal. And so, for instance, if I talk to someone who, not at the beginning parts, but I'd say as there's been healing, I'll say, I wonder how God's going to use your trauma to help someone else for the kingdom's sake. So the healing, one of the downfalls, I think, of some counseling or some psychology is it makes it all about you. Mm. Um, I think that's one of the downfalls, but trying to think of the big picture with the gospel is it's it's really about y- even using what's been really difficult in your life to glorify God and now to actually use your story to help someone else. Which is really having yeah. a theology of suffering, right? Exactly. That I can situate my suffering Absolutely. in a gospel context, but also Absolutely. like Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians, yep. I would be mobilized to help other right. people. Right. right. So healing is not for healing's sake. Mm, that's good, yeah. So that's a good kind of rule of thumb if somebody is looking at getting some biblical counseling or sure. some, some counseling is is what you just articulated there in terms of hey, uh, as you speak to somebody that you're gonna go see, what are you know, what are some 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 red flags maybe if you see it from a therapist that you're like, I don't know if this is the right person for me. Uh well I think part of it is um do they have a real desire to not just help you cope but help your heart before god hmm. i think it's a really big difference because i actually think good counselors do both yeah they actually yeah, yeah. really do both um of and then really 
what the challenges, and, there, and there's, again, there's such a spectrum out there, is, and this might, I think it's very similar to maybe your mom's experience, is they would say they're a Christian, but they maybe haven't fully integrated. Yeah. How does their faith really impact even them helping clients beyond just coping? Yeah, right. Um, and seeing kind of a bigger eternal purpose yeah. in their coping. Or um, part of the healing, too, is not just the getting resources or help, but reframing how people view God's love. Mm. I actually think um, when people really start to go to understand the depth of his love, it's amazing what that does to us. Because mm-hmm. it's so beyond what we experience as human to human. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think it's important to to circle back to something you said earlier. I do think I think as a, as as the church we need to also admit when there's things that we're not doing well right. to help people. Um like one thing that Jared and I will talk about once in a while because I had addiction in my family mm-hmm. and I will I notice sometimes at church if that comes up, I will notice people get rigid and kind of mm-hmm. uh, you know, glassy eyed like, right. Oh my gosh, how do we talk about this right now? Because yep. we're in church and it's not necessarily a place for that. Right. So I start I did some twelve step work right. and ultimately right. I was afraid of it a little bit mm-hmm. because I thought, oh is this gonna fight my faith? Right. But now I don't continue in it right now, sure. but I would be lying if I said there weren't practical elements of that that greatly helped me when I was in the midst of that Absolutely. and still help me today. So how do you sometimes reconcile that even though it wasn't necessarily a biblical thing? Well, I actually think there's actually a lot of biblical concepts within the 12 Steps. Oh, yeah, 100%. not saying I agree with every aspect of the 12-step world, but right. I say there's a lot of wonderful stuff about just admitting you need help right? or trying to reconcile or admitting you're wrong. Right. Um, or all those steps, I think are really, there's actually a lot of helpful truth. And sometimes, um, whether it's 12 steps or anything else that's out there, actually has a lot of roots in some of the concepts just biblically. Yeah, that people have co-opted for... Right, right. some of those people have uh, have a, you know maybe a Christian background. Yeah. And so, God's the design of relationships. So living that stuff is helpful. And then, for instance, anybody, I would say... Um, who's wrestling ever with any addiction stuff, mm-hmm. they need more than church once a week. Yeah. Um, and kind of in the uh, addiction where a lot of people, if they're really, really struggling, they need 90 meetings in 90 days is kind of a phrase. That's yeah, sometimes. sure. Because the addiction is so intense, they need people around them literally every day. And right. it's rare to find a Christian discipler right. mm-hmm. who was willing to do that. And churches aren't set up to do that. No. no, no, no. Right, and so... We, we should be. But we're not. Right, right. We're not yeah, yeah. at all set up to kind of help. And one of the things I think we have to be really careful about is churches have just been known for being judgmental mm-hmm. about areas of life that wasn't a struggle for them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So if addiction wasn't a struggle for them, they're kind of judgmental. Why do you need to go to all those meetings? Right, right. Pray and get over it because we... Uh, we minimize how hard it is for someone else because that's been our issue. And there are people who that, that... Like, I can think of Louis Zamperini as an example of somebody who God... Intervened yes. there, and he never had any more issues. Right. But I would say that's the exception that's, rather than the rule. That's rare. Because most of the people I see, and, and in my world, mine was Al-Anon. It wasn't right. my addiction, but right. I became as crazy yep. in the way I acted yep. because of the addicts in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely true. You need to have that active, conscious going mm-hmm. to get help all the time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, in a, I mean, a church setting would be ideal. But I think to right. your point, Jared, I think the church. Hasn't is not set up to do that and hasn't hasn't done that well, so people end up twisting in the wind sometimes with right. that. Well, stuff. And I think we're really frustrated when people don't change right away. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Dan, sure. 
Yeah, we've had three meetings now. <laughs> right. Your 40 years of whatever you it is You want to have a over fifth with. meeting here? You want to do that? Can I put something on the table that bothers me about 12-step? Hold on. Go ahead. There it goes. Go ahead. Oh, it's going to be much heavier than Oh, it that. is? Okay. Uh, I'm just curious how you guys respond. My understanding of 12-step is predicated on once an addict, always an addict. That's kind of like an adage, right? And you're always aware of your addiction. Like you introduce yourself as an alcoholic. You un- you kind of see yourself through the lens of I'm. it's always possible that I would uh, relapse because I am fundamentally an alcoholic. My concern is, and if that's a, if mm-hmm. that's a mischaracterization, let me know. Mm-hmm. My concern is uh, to come to Christ, you're not that anymore, right? There's, there's a passage mm-hmm. in, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians, that Paul talks about, uh, you used to be, you know, a philanderer and a homosexual and this, but yeah. but now you're you're something different in Christ. And I think hope for the Christian comes certainly in admitting the reality of our sinful tendencies and our proclivities, sure. even our addiction. Sure. But then in in admitting we have something that transcends that, right? That there's a supernatural component there that I'm not that anymore. I've been reborn. So I would say um, our identity is in Christ. Mm-hmm. Kind of think what Paul's referring to there. Yep. Um, but on the other hand, I would also would say we or who, someone's in that role um, almost always will be more vulnerable to relapse compared to other people. Okay. Absolutely. So I, I'm not taking that. Up so no, I just I, think it's different to say like think, my identity is yes, in yes. the same way as saying like yeah. I, you're not a victim anymore. Right. 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 You've, you've experienced right. things, but your identity isn't. In my struggle should be my identity right. as a believer. Or your addiction that. shouldn't be your identity. Right. 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 And I get what you're saying, but I think that's semantics a little bit because I think so because I would say like, and again, it's where your hope is and and where do you put it. my problem with twelve step? Quite frankly, was it was it was not allowed to identify God as what right. your God was there. A lot of people, God was a doorknob or whatever. Right, right. That ended up being the biggest thing for me. But right. I can also see that I. Look, I don't, and I don't know enough about it, but but from what I know of it, I, I do think that some people, you can be transformed in who your identity is in, and you do have transformation, but I don't know that it ever completely, because I think history would I don't show think struggle that struggle ever disappears. Yeah, I don't right. know that it does. Right. I mean, even look, I think look, that's part of the reason they go about it that way. Right. Yeah, is because our tendency as humans is to minimize our vulnerabilities. Like yeah, that's totally. I, that's one of the things I think was wrong with the whole uh, immersion therapy to get rid of homosexuality and stuff that existed for a while. When you look at somebody like Christopher Yuan, who basically says, "Look, I don't. Ha- it's not the driving force, so I'm acting on that anymore." But he's not also saying, "Hey, I'm straight and I'm, I love women. I, yeah. I love women." You know what I yeah. mean? Like, the goal's not that. And and to some people, that transformation does happen to. I, you, you don't live in their minds, so you don't know. But Rosaria Butterfield is somebody who's been able to be married and have so. And I think sometimes with the addiction issues too, like there are people who just are like, "Hey, that's my trigger. I can't. I can't." There's certain safeguards I have to have so I don't relapse into that. But I don't know. For me, there was practical things too. Like right. we've talked about halt before: hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Like when I heard that in a meeting one time, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I'm all those things all the time. <laughs> If that helps you understand me better. <laughs> but like, again, that's just a pragmatic thing that I was able to walk away from that. Right. If nothing else, that was a, at the time that was huge and still is yeah. sometimes because I'll look at myself and be like, oh, wait. You're writing a book on Christian hangriness, right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my kids will sometimes say, I'm hangry right now. Yeah. It's a good self-awareness. I didn't get that until I was in my 30s. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is a huge topic. We've just scratched the surface, but let's yeah. end with this. What are you... What are you reading right now? What are you thinking about? What are you excited about in ministry and life? Uh, well, I'm currently reading a book called uh, The Body Keeps Score. Hmm. And it is definitely not a Christian book mm-hmm. um, on how uh, trauma affects us 
way more than we realize. Interesting. Um, one of the there's a research project that was done that said kids who have multiple multiple layers of trauma as a, as a minor that um, in this one research project it said their lifespan would be cut by 19 years. Wow. So just physiologically, we're not talking spiritually, emotional relationships. And if they had like two or three traumas, lifespan is cut by about five years. Um, wow. Think about kids in the foster care system yeah. who had multiple, years multiple, of trauma. Right. Wow. So, um, so that's one of the things that um, is we kind of have this idea if it happened to me a long time ago, it doesn't impact me now. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's a way of coping, but we're not really honest and it shows up in people's marriages. And their parenting, yeah, um, and their anger, all sorts of addictions, all sorts of stuff. Wow. Um, so, uh, the, uh, what I'm thinking more about uh, spiritually uh, lately is the, the the idea of is is the church seen as truly caring about people in pain? Hmm. And often the answer is no. Yeah. If you ask the average person out there, yeah. do you think churches really care about your pain? Yeah. Well, we have a pain booth in the corner if you want to go over there and talk to them. <laughs> well, especially when culture sees things like we were just talking about right. before we started taping today, like Kenneth Copeland and his buying his jet and stuff. So I think right. when people see that a lot yeah, of times. That helps them get to hurting people a true. lot faster. A lot faster. A lot faster. At Mach 5. Right. Yeah. Right. So one of the things uh, that we're doing at, at church, and it, it's ended up getting a lot of attention. It wasn't intended for that purpose, is we do uh, called Cakes for Kids. Where we deliver um, cakes that are given to uh, foster kids and brought to their house wow. as a birthday cake. So wow! Either homeless kids or foster kids, and so um, and they're brought to these homes. Most of these, a lot of these families don't know the Lord, and they're just trying to be good foster parents or relative caregivers. And it, what you actually care about this? Wow! Um, it just gets people's attention. Um, but because I think people are just so surprised that people would care. That's amazing. Hey, if somebody wants to get involved in that, how would they? How would they do it? Uh, they reach out to me at Valencia Hills Community Church would be the best way to do that. What's your uh, What's your email? Uh, email then? is Pastor Dan at ValenciaHills.com. Pastor Dan at ValenciaHills.com. That's yep. a, That's awesome. an amazing program. That's really good. If anybody yeah. wants to do that, reach out to Dan and uh, and let him know. Thanks so much for coming in. Would you come in again sometime? Absolutely. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, I have a lot of other things I want to talk about. There's a lot of other uh, thoughts. So. Uh, I'll be back, yeah. Dan. Thanks it's for coming. It's so great. great to have you here. If you're listening to this today and you've enjoyed the show, it's Christianese. <laughs> if not, um, this is Jared Burkholder's podcast. <laughs> it's Mormonese. Uh, yeah, Mormonese. Uh, yeah. But no, if you've liked it, please, wherever you're listening to this today, give us a good review. Give us a rating. Um, you know, if you'd like to reach out to us if you have any ideas for guests if you'd like to ask any of our guests a question us you can email us at blessingfieldhosts at gmail.com blessingfieldhosts at gmail.com jared what else blessings dan blessings barb take us out mm-hmm.